This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Missing Alyssa, a podcast documentary series about the unsolved disappearance of Alyssa Turney a teenage girl from Phoenix, Arizona. Alyssa has been missing since 2001. People were saying a lot of things about me and where was I and why was I involved in my children's life? Well, I want them to know the truth. Hi, I'm Otavia Zapala. Update episode, I want you to hear from Alyssa's biological father, Stephen Strom. That was him just before. Steve lives in the Northwest with his wife, Karen. You will be hearing from her in this episode as well. And I didn't know how to reach him. He barely got to know Alyssa, so I wasn't even sure how much information he'd be able to contribute. But he called me after he found out about this podcast, and we ended up spending hours on the phone. He hasn't been able to share his version in 30 years, so he gets pretty emotional at times both angry and sad. And I've had to ask him some pretty tough questions towards the end of this episode. So I'm trying to say things and not hurt anybody's feelings. I wanted to come out and I wanted to tell the truth and I wanted to say what was on my mind because it was unfair to me and to this situation. So I'll start from the beginning here. I was living in California and, and uh, I grew up there. I went to school at Aviation High School. And anyway, after I graduated, I got into selling real estate there. And I met Barbara. She was working as a uh, loan officer. Passed her out. She went out with me and, and we hit it off pretty good. But Barbara was a really quiet type person. Very quiet. Uh, I met her and then I met her son and he was two and the three of us just kind of hit it off. And uh, I kind of fell in love with her son as much as I did her because he was John was such a great little kid. And I was building a house up in Malibu, California with a friend of mine. We bought a piece of property. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was living in a trailer on the property and we were building a house. And John was basically staying with me and, and doing everything with me. So that's why he and I became real close because he was helping me build. You know, and he was just a little boy, you know. He'd, he'd play, of course, you know. Can I interrupt? Uh, sure. So where was Barbara living at the time. Well, Barbara had a job still, and she had this friend named Lucy. Uh-huh. And Lucy was an elderly woman that Barbara and John stayed with. She just met me not very long, and she was having her son stay with me. What was your thinking, reasoning, in leaving you know, her young son with you during the week? I think Barbara had a child too young. Yeah. You know, she had that little boy way too young and when you're young that young and you're not ready for it you don't know how to plan for it but i don't think it was malicious and i don't think she wanted any harm for your child at all she loved her children and the thing is is that you know a lot of times things don't sink into you until later and you know and i was suspicious of it but you know what when you accept somebody and you love them you really overlook a lot of things that you wouldn't overlook normally so anyway i don't think she was happy uh, pretty much into our marriage about a year. I don't think she was happy at all. 
there was a, somewhat of a, what I would call on my part, a facade because I, I looked like I had more than I had. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think she, she was attracted to that. I don't know that she loved me, to be honest with you. I think that she just thought I was kind of a rogue that helped her get further up the ladder or helped her that security that she would make. So we moved to Arizona, and that's when our, our life kind of started there. It was John and we bought a house. And just before that, we bought the house. Alyssa was born. Mm-hmm. He was a happy little girl. She could run like I'd never seen anybody able to run for a little kid. She was just uh, excited about life, very joyful, very, very amazing little girl, uh, really sweet, and um, loved her daddy and her mommy. At that point, Steve and Barbara were living in Phoenix with the two kids. Their marriage was quickly unraveling. And I would try to talk to her sometimes about things, and she just didn't want to talk. She didn't want to engage. And uh, that non-engagement started to wear on me. And I think so there became a little bit of a rift between us two. I was there for my two children, and I loved them. And I loved Barbara, too. It's just that there was, there was a little thing where she just didn't want to communicate, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. You don't communicate. That's probably one of the worst things in a, in a relationship. That destroys more relationships than anything else. I think it destroys more relationships than even having a, an affair because I think people can have affairs and still still forgive somebody and continue on. So, you know, that's where we get to the part where she needs my fault. I remember that. It was pretty much on my birthday. And she said, I don't want to be married anymore. And, you know, I'd like you to leave the house. No fighting before that. Are you sure you didn't have an affair with somebody? Is there something going on more than I know? You know, and I kept talking to her about that, having an affair. And eventually she said, yes, I had an affair. And I decided that I want to move in with him, with our children. And I said, you're kidding me. Do you know anything about it? Have you, have you even like, oh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I said, okay, that's what you want. So I went over and I got a U-Haul trailer and I backed it up to her house. And I loaded all the furniture and everything out of the house. And I shook his hand and said, thanks a lot. See you later. And I drove off. So she seemed to be happy and she got what she wanted. And um, she got custody of Alyssa, which was the biggest mistake I ever made because I should have got custody too because I realized later. I screwed up. If you have custody, you have all the control. I, I had visitations, and I didn't have rights to John, so that's why I didn't even get to see John. But anyway, I was able to get her on Wednesdays and then every other weekend. And then uh, one time I showed up to get her, and they told me that uh, basically that I couldn't have her, that she had something else to do, and they wouldn't tell me what it was. And so I said, okay. So uh, we had some words, uh, him and I did. And, you know, and I basically said to him, you know, you were, you're having an affair with my wife, you know? And he said, no, I wasn't. She wasn't even with you. And I'm like, wait a minute. We never were apart. You know what I mean? Uh, so anyway, uh, he kicked me through the window in the side of the head. He had a bad temper, really bad temper person. 
Steve goes on to explain that sometime later, he was living out of state when he was summoned in front of a judge. He was told that Mike and Barbara petitioned him to increase the child support payments. Steve told the judge that they didn't let him see Alyssa, so the judge actually reduced the payments instead. Meanwhile, according to him, he wasn't aware that Michael had already adopted Alyssa without his knowledge. I didn't even know that they had already adopted my daughter. No one got a hold of me. No one contacted me. They said they couldn't get a hold of me, but they found me to try to get more money. A few years after that, Steve learned from Barbara's father, Earl, that Barbara was dying of cancer. According to Steve, Earl said that Barbara wanted Steve to raise Alyssa after she was gone. And I went and I called an attorney and I said, you know, I told him the whole circumstances and how am I going to do with this and how can I get my daughter back? And he said, you could spend anywhere from thirty to $50,000. And because she has custody and she's been living with them for the past few years, you probably won't get anything. And I said, well, I'm not going to spend it. You know what I mean? If I can't even get it to my daughter. Not long after Barbara passed away, Steve happened to move back to the Phoenix area where he hadn't lived in many years. I was apprehensive to move back to Phoenix because that's where everything was. And then I thought about it and I said, well, you know, I'm kind of over all that. I'm not over my daughter, but I'm over the whole situation. And I don't even know where they were living at that point. However, the past caught up with him real fast when he was served with an arrest warrant one morning while he was at home getting ready to go to work. And they say, we have a warrant for your arrest. I said, oh, really? And who's it from? And they said, we don't know. It's seven years old. It's got only a month before it is null and void. And they put me in jail. First time I've ever been in jail in my life. I get there to the thing and I say, for what? We have a warrant for your arrest. We don't know what it's from. We don't have any paperwork. And finally, I say, hey, I've got to call my wife. So they let me use the phone. I find Karen was just ecstatic. She was like, I couldn't find you. Your car was here. I didn't know what was going on, you know? I said, well, I'm in jail. And they're going to let me out. Can you come over and pick me up? Well, a little while later, we get a thing in the mail that says I have a court date set for a hearing for uh, attacking Michael. Do you remember the time that he kicked me in the side of the face when I was in the car? Yeah. He tried to say that I ran him over and I ran into his leg with my car. And yeah. it ruined his leg. That's how crazy he is. That date that he kicked me, he filed the complaint so that he could turn it around and make it look like I was after him that he didn't do anything. He didn't even tell them that he kicked me. Did he yeah. completely fabricate the whole running over incident? Oh, yeah. He was behind me in his yard. He kicked me, and then he went back in the, into his driveway. And I was on the street, so I just drove off. Yeah. So what happened was I got an attorney and the attorney started looking over this and looking into it. And he said, this guy's lying. I have doctor's reports from he had a bad leg way before that. Yeah. So he was using that as an excuse to try to get me put in jail. Anyway, we went before the judge and almost 99% of the time they let this go on to a jury my attorney did such a great job and, and exposed him for what he was and what he was trying to do. And the judge said that the case is closed, not going any further. He got up from his stand and walked by my attorney and faked like he was going to uh, put an elbow in his face. 
and the judge didn't see it, but the attorney saw it and we saw it. This is Karen's recollection of that day. When we went to court um, that day for this pretrial hearing, um, when the judge dismissed the case, Michael was there representing himself, and he got off the stand. He walked by our attorney, and he acted like he was going to hit our attorney. Our attorney had to duck, and we were also like, oh, my God, she was going to hit him. And... Um, of course, the attorney had to be up close and personal with him during that whole interaction. And when we left that day, he said, I don't want you guys to go home. I want you to do whatever you need to do tonight, tomorrow, and don't let him track you so he doesn't know where you are. At that point, Karen is really frightened of Michael, and she tells Steve that as much as she'd love to have Alyssa in their lives, she doesn't want to have to deal with Michael ever again. Because we were getting married at that point, I said, I am scared to death that this man has anything to do with us. It scares me to death. I don't want to have a family and have him as part of my life. All I can do is pray that he treats Alyssa good. And, you know, that's all we can do. Because we can't afford to fight the battle and we start fighting with this man. He'd be in our life forever. And again, there's another case of just having to turn it over to God. Now, did you think I didn't want to go there? You think I didn't want to beat the hell out of him? Did you think I didn't want to get my daughter? I thought of all those things. Believe me, I'm human. Can you tell me, um, were you planning on getting back in touch with Alyssa when she was 18, or what were you thinking? Hey, when she turns 18, at that day, I can call her, see? And then I can say to her, hey, would you like to get together? We were anticipating that. Never happened. Well, we realized that we wouldn't be able to um, have any relationship with her until she was 18. Um, I just kind of wanted to make sure that somehow we knew that they were still in Phoenix. And so I always kind of Googled around, you know, see if I could find them or their address, that kind of stuff. And um, just as we got closer to her 18th birthday, I just Googled her name. And up popped the missing um, persons. I was shocked, of course. What did you think? My first thought was uh, Michael had something to do with it. Really? Instantly. Yeah, instantly. And that was just that feeling I had that he had everything to do with it. It's incredible to think about how close Steve got to being able to see his daughter. In less than a year, he would have finally been able to make contact with her. Over the course of decades, Stephen remarried, had three other children, and made a good living for himself and his family. But he has had to deal with really strong feelings of anger and guilt. Look, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I should have never left my daughter. I should have stayed there and just fought and fought and fought. But at that time, I knew that Mike was a very destructive person, and he would do anything. He wouldn't care if he killed me or shot me or had me beat up. And I knew that. And so the thing was, is that at some point, you got to quit fighting and just let God handle it. And that's what I did. I have a hard time explaining my feelings sometimes, except for that I had like a knot in my stomach my whole life since Alyssa's been gone, and I've had to deal with it. I just let it go, and I feel guilty about it. It wasn't a day that I didn't think about my daughter every morning when I woke up. I wish there was a lot of things that I would have done differently, and one of them was that I would have pursued my daughter more. She would have called me. I think I would have gone and picked her up or whatever she needed. 
even if it would have meant I would have been in trouble, I would have done it. But she called me and told me what was going on. What would you like to see happen? I would like to have justice for my daughter. And I would like to know where she's buried so that I could give her proper burial. Those two things are the things that I would most. After spending hours on the phone with Steve and Karen, I felt like I had a really good picture of them, and I really felt for what they had gone through. I feel that they are genuinely good people. But this is when things got a little weird. Because when I spoke with Sarah, she told me that she and her siblings had a very different understanding of the situation, and of what kind of a father and husband Steve had been. I'd heard rumors that he was abusive, violent, a deadbeat dad, but all of those came from Mike Turney, so I didn't really give them any credit. So when I heard that John accused him of being very abusive, of beating him, I was dumbstruck. I felt so conflicted that I didn't even know how to approach this episode anymore. On one hand, I knew I had to go back and talk to Steve. On the other, I thought I might be digressing here. After all, this podcast is about finding out what happened to Alyssa and who was responsible for her disappearance, not about what kind of a father Steve's trauma was. But then again, back when I spoke to Steve, he had told me... You could ask me any questions you want to ask me. You're not going to offend me. You're not going to hurt me. So I went back to him to get some clarification. I'm not going to edit out my voice as I ask the question. So you can see just how awkward it was. I wanted to uh, come back to you with some things that, um, you know, some of the things that you told me, the John, you know, contradicts. And I just wanted to run it by you. This is really so. John was John was seven year John was seven years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you know he didn't know everything going on. Only what his mom told him and what what. Uh, it feels, uh, like, it feels told like you know. It feels like you know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> uh, what is it? I don't no, know. No, I mean, well, he, he said that you were very abusive to him. That's shit. That's absolutely not true. His uh, new parents decided that they would treat me like I was a bad guy. So, I, you know, I can only tell my side of the story. And if you believe it, you don't believe it. It doesn't matter to me. And it also doesn't matter to me, to me what, what uh, John thinks. Because he was seven years old. Uh, if you ask anyone in my family, I treated that little boy like he was my own son. I never spanked him but one time in his life. And it wasn't even really a spanking. Okay. Now, was was I firm with him? Yes, I was firm with him. Because when I met her and him, she was a little boy who had no boundaries. His mother, she couldn't discipline anyone. That was her forte, was it? She just let things go. And so I had to discipline. He was even hitting his mom at times. And so I would have to discipline. That all turned when he reached about four he reached about four. It all turned it. He just became the best kid in the world and never had any problems. He's seven years old. He was told these things. He doesn't remember what happened then. I can't even hardly remember what happened then. You know? he, he, he says he remembers being beaten by you. No, I never beat him. Okay. So, uh, there's a, a photo I found. He has a black eye. And my understanding, he claimed that you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw a photo with a black eye, and I've never laid a hand on it like that. I would never lay a hand on it. I've never laid a hand on Barbara. I never laid a hand on my wife now. I've never laid a hand on any children. 
So I sent him two photos where John looked like he had a black eye. In one, he's holding a toddler Alyssa, and in the other, he's sitting on a bed in what looked like a child's room. He didn't know about the first photo, but he says the following about the second one. Well, I can tell you one thing. That picture that he took where he's on his bed, he's older in that picture, and that's when he, he wasn't even with me, that one. That's not his bed. That was the bed. It must have been the bed he had over at Mike's. Because that's not his bed. I never gave him a black eye, ever. I never touched his face or would ever hit him like that. So, you know, you can believe anything you want to believe. But my whole thing is, is that they fed him stuff ever since he was little. From seven on up, they fed him all kinds of bad things about me. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. So I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I never touched him in any way like that. It, it's That's Mike. He fed all his children so many horrible things in their life that they see life in a different way. It's twisted. And I knew it was going to kind of, I knew it was going to come down to this. You're right. I had a feeling that he was going to come down to this. Now I might have slapped his butt, but a, you know, just real boop like that. But, and I was firm with him a lot, but him and I, we used to call each other twinsies. That's what we used to call each other. And I, I acted like he was my son born from my, from my blood. And the thing is, is that Kim and I used to do a lot of stuff together. He, he fed all of his kids crap. He even twisted Sarah until she finally got away from him and realized what it was like, you know. Previously, I had also asked Karen if Steve was ever possessive or violent. Here's what she said. He's not that person at all. We have children and he is a very loving, caring father. And he, you know, he does everything for his children and me. He's a very loving person. He, he is not that person. I can tell you that when I met Stephen, he, we were still dating um, and eventually moved in together, living together. He would have nightmares every night about not having Melissa. And he'd wake up screaming because he, he didn't have his daughter. I'm sorry, it's just really hard, very hard to... Um, have someone who is having terrifying dreams every night because he can't have the daughter that he loves. And um, he knows that he's with, um, she's with a really bad person. That, that's what triggered me is because of just seeing him suffer. Steve had also encouraged me to reach out to his friends and family to ask them what he was like as a father. So I called his sister, Cynthia, who was very present in their lives and knew Alyssa and John well. Cynthia confirmed being told by Barbara's relatives that Barbara realized she had made a mistake leaving Alyssa behind for Mike to raise. But it was already too late. She was dying and Michael had adopted Alyssa. And she told Mick on the phone that she told her family that she wished she had given Alyssa to Steve. And Alyssa was just turning two and I gave her a little birthday party here at our house and she just cried the whole time. It was just horrible. Why was she crying, do you think? Because her mother was running off with this other guy. And so, you know, she didn't have her home and her daddy every day. You know, I don't know what was going on in her mind when she ran off with this guy, but John was little and he was the whole time, Dad, why is she doing this? Why is she doing this? So was uh, was Steve, like, really present in Alyssa and John's life? Was he really, was he caring? Oh, what was he like? Let me tell you what. That little boy, he was, I think he was two and a half when Steve met Barbara. And uh, 
and we all went over to California, and my my husband's sister and her husband, and here was this little tiny boy, and he was the cutest, sweetest thing you can even imagine. He was our baby the whole time growing up, and he was his dad's precious boy, and he was oh, he was so sweet, and we loved him to pieces. He's our nephew. Yeah. We'd have the big Easter parties here and hide the eggs, and they'd all be out in the yard. At <laughs> that time, we had a whole big family of little kids. It was so much fun. So, so see, like he, was he, um, do you think he ever beat the kids? Never. I mean, that isn't something we do. And I just, for them to say that, I know he he per- perpetrated that, you know, that idiot. And mm-hmm. uh, didn't ever happen. But he, he was the weirdest shit you can even imagine. But we want to know where he put her body. There were two other things I had to clear up as well. Remember the incident where Michael Turney claimed that Steve tried to run him over in his driveway? Steve said he went over to pick up Alyssa, and they denied him visitation. He said he argued with Mike, that Mike kicked him, and that he took off. But right after that incident, Mike reported Steve for trying to run him over with his car. There is a photo that I will post on the Facebook page, in which you can see Barbara pointing at a spot on the ground where this incident supposedly took place. Anyway, as you know, the judge later dismissed the case in favor of Stephen. However, once again, I was startled to hear that one of Mike Turney's older sons claims he saw the whole thing and can attest that Stephen tried to run Mike over. Again, I went back and asked Steve. There's another thing. So, you know, the whole uh, the incident where she had a confrontation with Michael on his driveway. And, you know, it, it, to be honest, like, I think most people in your position, given what happened, would have been really angry. And so, okay, well, how should I put this? I mean, James... In my own awkward way, I was trying to tell him that had I been in his position at the time, I probably would have felt like hitting Mike with the car. That way. Well, isn't that funny? We went to court, and guess what? The judge didn't see it that yeah. way. Yes, yes, I know. So, but I'm just... So I'm, yeah. Because he said he look, saw that. Look, and I was at a... I was at a... That, I wouldn't think that that would be strange, to be honest. But I just want to. No, no, I, but I, but I didn't, and I'll tell you why I didn't. Because I didn't know who was around me and who I would run at. I know Barbara was out there, but I don't know if it, the kids were out there at all. But I was in my car, and he kicked me in through the window, and I just got left. And you know what I thought in my mind? I'm done with the whole thing. I mean, truthfully, that's what I thought in my mind. Okay. Later, Steve called me back, and he brought up a really good point. If there had been a witness to this incident, wouldn't Mike have brought him to the pre-trial hearing to support his case? I would think so. Lastly, Sarah sent me a photo of Steve, and her understanding was that he was in jail in that photo. Specifically, she had been told her mother took that photo while they were married, and in that photo, he was sitting in jail. I have no idea if it looks like a jail setting. You can see a young Steve sitting on a bench with his arms raised like one does when they're being arrested but he was smiling at whoever was taking the picture. And behind him, there's a tall chain link fence around a paved outdoor courtyard. Inside the courtyard, there are bench presses and very large weights and pull-up bars. At least I think that's what it looks like. But Steve had told me the only time he was arrested was when he was served that surprise warrant from Mike Turney. So again, I turned to Steve to make some clarity. So you saw the photo. I saw the photo. And that's a picture somebody took, and I don't know who. It might have been Barbara. I don't know who took it. But what I'm doing is I'm sitting on the bench, right at chain link fence, and there's a school behind me. So you, do you remember, like, being there? And do you remember that time? No, no. That was that was too long ago. I was too young. 
But I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it going, wait a second, that's not that's not in any jail. You see that there's no wire in front of me. Yeah, but Sarah says that she remembers being told that that was when you were in jail. Of course, and this is exactly the type of thing that I'm getting at, is that Mike was so twisted, he would say anything about anybody, that's the way he's lived his whole life. Would that have been like at the time when you were married to Barbara, you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was or not. I really don't. It, it looks like been. it was about that time. Yeah, okay. it could have been. It could have been that time, but that's not a prison or a jail. What school do you I think never, it was? What school? Like, where would that have been? Well, I'm not positive, but I would say that it's a little school that there's a little school two blocks down, and we used to go to all the time with the kids and this and that. So, Or like John was going there? Yeah, John was going to school there. Okay. All right. I was in jail one time, and that was when Michael Turney turned me in for, he said that I hit him with the car. So there you have it. Like in any conflict situation, there are just so many sides to a story. So I thought I'd represent them all. I hope I didn't offend anyone by doing so. Anyway, I will continue to post new photos on the Facebook page, Missing Alyssa. So make sure to follow us there. If you enjoyed listening to this series, please rate and review to show your support. Missing Alyssa is produced and hosted by me, Otavia Zafala. Audio editing and production help by Raz Yalov. Our original music was created by Michael Fornwalt. The artwork was done by Michelle Reyes. 